0: South Australia podcast. Back out the smart. Fakes the pass all the time three. Bang! It's Williams Street. Bobs it up for Robert Williams!
1: Oh. Shouldn't he go? Taylor Brown oh. Oh. What a go Tatum, Durant, the long reach. Tatum, crossover, Pull up jumper.
2: Hello and welcome to the Celtics Reddit Podcast, Ben Vallis here, thank you for joining us, hope you're doing well. The Celtics are going to the Eastern Conference Finals, they beat the Bucks 109-81 with Grant Williams as the lead scorer, just like we all drew it up. Joining us to talk all about it, Wayne Spoonie. Spoons, how you doing sir? In the words of my man Celtics, Jay, woo,
1: woo. I'm doing good Ben, doing real good.
2: <laughs> and <laughs> of little, course, a little
1: more, a little more.
2: Uh, well, of course, we do also have Celtics Jay on the call, who's just hopped over from our live stream of the game on playback. Jay, how you feeling? Woo! I've been,
0: I, I've been I I done been trying telling y'all. I've been telling y'all
2: every day. Hashtag we must believe. I'm glad to hear it, man.
1: Woo! We fucking did it, man. I.
2: The prophecy has been fulfilled
1: Uh, that what what an incredible, (laughs) incredible performance on. I mean, that was an absolute ass kicking. I felt in my heart like it was a tie game down to the last like five minutes. I was cheering like it was a tie game, but that was an absolute Mm -hmm. demolition of the Milwaukee Bucks. They, They barely cracked 80 points. That's absurd.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to start there, and, and full disclosure, I was looking after my two-year-old for like ninety percent of this game. So, spoons, you are our X's and O's guy on the, on the scene. So, talk about like strategy-wise from both teams, broadly speaking, what was the strategy from from either side, and how did the Celtics come out on top? So, I've been pumping
1: this horn. That's not the saying, but we're going to go with it. All series, right? The way the Bucks play defense, if you make uh, pump your that threes, horn, baby
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> toot toot. If you make your threes, you will you will blow the Bucs out because you can get open threes whenever the hell you want against this Bucks defense. And if you're going to leave a 50% shooter from the corners wide open all game, he's going to burn you. I don't care if, you know, he's never taken 18 threes in a game. Like Grant can make that shot. He is confident enough to take that many when he's open. And Yudoka trusts him enough to take that many. So they were holding on like, you know, Like we've said, we've outscored them by, like, four and a half points per game, and it's game seven, right? That's ridiculous. We've been the better team for the whole time. We've all been saying that. So, Buck's strategy, the uh, Bud's strategy of just, like, let them shoot open threes and pray, finally, finally bit them in the ass, totally and completely. And on defense, I don't... The one thing... (laughs) I think we did a little different on defense is I don't think we switched as easily on Giannis. Like we were really trying to protect Jalen Brown and Derek white from getting that matchup. Uh, But otherwise I think we, we play defense just about the way we have been all series, which has been incredible and working very well It's play Giannis (laughs) straight up, make him go through somebody and make sure the other guys don't beat you.
0: You almost don't even realize or (laughs) notice that (laughs) Pritchard hit four threes tonight. And I don't yeah. know about you guys, but going into this next series, we're going to need guys like Pritchard to be hitting threes. Like, I think there's going to be a lot of transition opportunities, and I just see a lot of a lot of chances for especially Pritchard on a break to get those, like, run-ahead threes going. And so seeing this game get to the point where, like, he and some of these other – look, Smith got out there. I mean, Spoons, how's that not the thing yeah. you opened up with? Okay. <laughs>
1: you you owe that man an apology right now (laughs) (laughs) even I'm not that insane come on (laughs) pivotal
2: Naismith game
1: you know it it was though
0: there was was a certain amount of just you know relief that came from seeing Grant get his three point shot because he seemed like he's been concussed for almost this entire series and ever since he hit his head he hadn't been able to get a three to go to save his life so seeing that just completely open up for him um, I mean shoot, the guy he took eighteen threes. Like he was he was throwing them out there today. Um, he had just a phenomenal game. We just saw a level out of him that that we haven't, and it is just those threes going down to a large extent, but he he's also been attacking those closeouts really well. And yep, you know, in a game when Al couldn't give us what he, you know, has been up until this point, largely giving us on the offensive end, just hitting hitting baskets and getting buckets. To see Grant step up in that sort of deficit is really comforting, especially thinking about the future and what lies ahead for the Celtics team, regardless of how the season ends up. So, I mean, I've just got all sorts of warm, fuzzy feelings happening for everything that that we just watched and saw. Like, (laughs) I I could tell you a romantic awesomeness about
2: every guy on the court tonight. (laughs) I think we're going to go down that road, Jay. I think we're doing it. But, you know, Grant Williams in this game, for him to, you know, first of all, I was messaging you guys in our Slack early and saying, oh, there's a lot of Grant Williams here, a little too much Grant Williams, getting a little concerned. <laughs> Give me more Grant. And then too much Grant Williams became the perfect amount of Grant Williams and it kind of won us the game. Um, Jackson was actually calling out in our Slack, like, is this. Equal to, lesser than, or greater than the Kelly Olenek game because it is the five-year anniversary of the Kelly Olynyk Game Seven, um, which I believe was also in the second round, and like yep. uh, it's up there, right? Like it's, I think it's, I think it's kind of better given like this team actually has like uh, championship expectations where there was, you know, uh, there was only so far that those Isaiah Thomas-led teams could go. Um, Spoons, what do you think on the on the Kelly Olynyk front?
1: I, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Ben, is that I believe this team can win a championship. Uh I think we just knocked out the best team remaining in the playoffs, even without Middleton. And certainly the best player remaining in the playoffs other than Jason Tatum. Uh so I, I think like the IT team it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, those teams were like fun and cute and look we're going to the eastern conference finals it took about two or three games from lebron for us to know like all right this is over that was a good season that's how you kind of always felt like these are conference finals was a great result for that team so this just feels a lot bigger to me i know for me this is this goes leaps and bounds over the kelly
0: and Olinic game. And because because for Grant, it's been an entire series, even with the the shot not falling for him in several games, the fact that he's been such an integral and and really just absolutely essential part of the defensive game plan against Giannis, I think just makes this 10 times what Kelly could have done on, on his best day, which I think was that day, right? Um, the way that Grant has been able to impact the ball on both sides of the floor is just, it dwarfs anything that Olinic And I'm not trying to like just take a shit on, on Olenek. What I'm really just trying to make sure we do is completely recognize the remarkable level of awesome that we just saw from Grant Williams tonight, and what we've really seen uh, from him throughout this series, even when he just hasn't had that shot falling. The Celtics don't win this series without Grant Williams. Um, most definitely.
2: Uh, well... Well yeah, mostly because of his uh his um production in game 7 because he he wasn't like huge throughout the rest of the series. I think he he had a pretty big impact in game 2, the other game where we were actually hitting our threes. You know, early on in this game when we were missing them all, I was getting crazy 2018 flashbacks of like, okay, another game 7, another game where the Celtics just put up a bunch of bricked three-point shots and then, you know, the energy shifted as it said on the towels, as it says on my t-shirt. And we started hitting those threes and Pritchard hit, you know, uh, a series worth worth of threes off the bench in, in a single game, which is exactly what we needed. Um, but you mentioned LeBron there and, you know, that we couldn't get past LeBron for a little while there with those older Isaiah Thomas teams. Giannis is LeBron now. And yeah. I was sort of developing this sad narrative in my head for Al Horford, like, oh, you know, Al's never been able to get by LeBron. And then LeBron goes out west and now it's Giannis and it's like you reset the clock and Giannis is twenty seven and he's a beast and you know, Al's never gonna get past him. And so Al Horford, you know, I, I can't imagine how he's feeling right now, but to to get past Giannis and like to finally in a lot of ways like break that seal and progress beyond like the Elden Ring style boss difficulty is just huge and you know, Al's game isn't gonna really jump off the page on the box score. Like it was two of seven, oh of two from from three. But his paint defense on Giannis and Marcus Smart's paint defense as well. He mentioned spoons, like just not not switching on Giannis as much and just guarding him straight up. Like Giannis was uh, sorry, Al Horford was as important in this game than anybody else. Um, Jay, can, you, can we talk about Jason Tatum because I know that you know grant williams deservedly so played 40 minutes scored all the points like he's going to he's going to get the praise in this one but i feel like tatum pretty much played the perfect game you know he he had co- copped a lot of you might say unfair foul calls that caused him to sit a lot in the third quarter and we'll talk about that stretch that critical stretch in a little bit but jason tatum you know when the energy again to use that that phrase started to shift, it was like Jason Tatum bringing the ball up, you know, getting in pick and roll actions and and making things happen. And I I feel like you played the perfect game. What do you think about Tatum's I, game? I think you to steal an expression from our man Spoons. I think you hit the nail on the head. Um
0: The the, the so for game for game six when we were all watching that and and talking, <laughs> we were we were discussing about. Well, one of the things I was saying is is Tatum has to take that next step in his game where he recognizes the points where he has to take what the defense is giving versus the times where he has to take what they're not willing to, you know, give up. And I think tonight we we really saw at least one full game of him really just being in perfect balance. There were times when he went and forced the issue and just took what could you know, took from what couldn't be beaten. And there were other times when you could just see him probe just enough to find where he needed to kick. And it was just clear that he was orchestrating and he was making the decisions about how this game was going to go. Whereas we've seen games where he hasn't been able to have that kind of force. And we've seen guys like Giannis have it right. And we've seen guys like LeBron have it. This was the first game where I felt like I witnessed Jason Tatum for the entirety of a game dictate its outcome. And that's a beautiful thing to see. Cause if he's unlocking that part of his game, woo, haters keep on hating.
1: Yeah. Jay, to your point, he <laughs> played 37 minutes. He took 14 shots. I, can you ever remember Jason Tatum only taking 14 shots? I don't think I can. And uh, like, I know he had to sit for a good portion of the third, but he still played 37 minutes. So uh, I, I think, He dictated the tempo. That's like exactly like I mean, he controlled that game without having to shoot the ball. And that's the next level of superstardom, just what you're getting at with LeBron and Giannis. And we kind of made Giannis play our game for the really the first time in the series, I feel like. Um, And I think a big part of that, like you're saying, Jay, was just Tatum taking what the defense gave him, manipulating the defense to. Make it give him what he wants, and then when all else fails, find a Grant Williams wide open in the corner.
2: (laughs) Okay, we've got some Reddit comments here. The first one's by Chang Bang Gang, and they say, Grant is James Posey reincarnate. PP, Peyton Pritchard is Eddie House reincarnate. Therefore, we are winning the chip like 2008. Uh, There's some rhyming there. I like it. Spoons. Peyton Pritchard had himself a game finally in this series. What's your takeaway from Pritchard's Wait, game? Wait, is overall? Cornette
0: PJ
1: Brown then? <laughs> we'll need him one time in we'll a game. We'll find out seven. in the conference finals. Uh, yeah, that's fucking terrifying. But uh, <laughs> yeah, Pritchard was awesome. I mean, he's been playable even though his shot's not really going down. Not like, oh, give him 20 minutes playable, <laughs> but like, you know, eight minutes for a rest here per game's fine. He's not been getting roasted on defense nearly as as bad as I thought he would. Um, And then when he's making shots like this, it's just ridiculous how important and valuable he can be. You just need spark plug guys like that off the bench like Eddie House was for that 08 championship team. And some of the fucking daggers he hit today, that that step back pull up from like 29 feet. And then (laughs) he he like he knew that. Dude, he was in his bag. I think it was on it might have been on Drew even or Wes Matthews who are decent is a decent defender zone, right? And he knew that was in. He just like turned around like Steph Curry, man. He was like, "That's good. I know that's good." So, when he's dialed in like that, dude, you can tell the team feeds off it too. There's something about like a little white dude just crossing people up and hitting bomb threes that just yeah. get the team totally hyped and the fans were going bananas. So, um I'm glad he's finally found his shot. I, I think it'll be. Uh, I think Jay said this earlier. It's going to be super important against the Heat that he gives us some minutes and makes some damn shots. So what a run from him! And goddamn, I finally was allowed to myself to have some fun watching one of these games. Oh, I
2: know, right? About time. <laughs> Listen, About time.
0: Uh, yeah. no one's got to twist Spoon's arm to get him to have a good time with his PP. Listen,
2: that's it's that's true. True. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> <laughs> even with no arms both arms twisted it's fast it what, what i don't want us to overlook
0: about <laughs> peyton Pritchard's performance though is one of the more nuanced ways but also i think significant ways that he impacted this game was with the rebounding and yeah this is another one of those moments where i've got to call myself out because <laughs> early in this series <laughs> it was uh stan van gundy made some remark about Peyton Pritchard being a sneaky, good offensive rebounder. And I went on Twitter and just started saying Stan Van Gundy was a complete moron because that's a ridiculous statement to make. And having gone back and looked, um, I'm an idiot. And (laughs) he actually has, on multiple occasions, demonstrated that even before the postseason. But no case makes it more clear than the way that he was just sneaking in there for boards Mm -hmm. over the course of this game. And we have just been a lot of our failings in this series have come from one of the biggest glaring holes that gets left with Robert Williams not being on the floor for us. Is he so frequently would be the guy on our team that would tip the ball out on those, like, you know, goofy little boards that no one actually gets their hands on? He's that guy that would tip it. And because he's just that gifted, you know, wizard as a passer and with his vision, he's always tipping it exact. I don't think we always fully recognized how many missed boards ended up in our possession because Rob just tips it to the right guy. Yeah. And so we have really been seeing that, especially over the last couple of games where the Bucks ended up, you know, coming out the victor. It was, you know, these little boards that were always just being that uh, the Achilles heel. And so seeing him sneak in and grab those that otherwise would have likely been, you know back in the possession of the bucks really was just awesome to see, and he did such a nice job of when he would get that board, he would maintain the possession he would get up you know the the offense reengaged um nothing seemed panic and and, and rush tonight, and I mm-hmm. think Peyton had a lot to do with that and even the the brief minutes that he was out there.
2: Couple more reddit comments here. This first one's from PD Marovic. they say. Held the defending champs to 81 points in the biggest game of their season. Elite, which is insane. And Danny Nick 8 says for all the great individual player performances in this series, what an absolutely unbelievable team performance this was. When we contributed on both ends of the floor. Um and that's when the comment ends. <laughs> that's an abrupt finish to that comment. But uh we understand. You know, great team what performance more is there from to say? Um, exactly. Um Derek White, one of ten from the floor do you remember the one that he got end of the third quarter there like yep. the second last offensive possession of yep. the third quarter you know there was a, a kind of a swing happening a bit of a pendulum swing back in the direction of the box where it's like okay like the basket could maybe like get some momentum you know going here going into the fourth quarter nope Derek White known three-point sniper bang good night and <laughs> <laughs> that's it um Spoons what do you think about the that's Derek karma White?
0: for those Giannis threes man
2: Damn yeah. right,
1: Jay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely.
2: But Spoony, what do you think about the Derek White game? Because it was kind of, it encapsulated all of the characteristics of Derek White, the good and the bad. And we can celebrate it because it ended in a victory. But what were your thoughts on his performance overall?
1: I, I thought this was probably, he's, I felt like he reverted a little bit back to his game one and two performance in this one. Um, he was phenomenal in games three through six. I mean- phenomenal uh even if he didn't score a ton uh, just his ball movement his off ball movement and obviously he's always going to bring it on the defensive end he brought it again tonight on the defensive end uh he does a lot better when brooks out of the game and they can't just like park brook guarding him and dare him to shoot uh but he has hit a decent number of threes in this series which was you know very helpful none bigger than this one that I mean, they had just gone full court. Giannis dunked, I think, cut it to 10 or 8. So to come back, end of the quarter, that was the last bucket either team scored in the quarter, get it back up over double digits, which is so big. Uh, Did not think he played an incredible game, but the nice thing about a guy like White and Smart's the same way, although Smart's, I think, taken a step above White as a player pretty clearly. Uh, Even when they're not shooting well, they don't hurt you in any They really have no other weaknesses. So they're going to be at least a neutral player out there, which is great when you go to your bench and you have guys that you can just say like, we can put him out there and at least nothing bad will happen. Right. And maybe yeah. he's hot or he's feeling good or he's getting penetration and he's a huge positive. So, Overall, not the greatest Derek White game, a very good series from him though, and I think he's already showing why we went out and got him. Just having a guy like that as a six starters, just so important for this team. And spoons, to to your point,
0: if you look at the, the box score here, the entirety of the bench, zero turnovers. Yeah.
1: Yep.
2: Incredible. Crazy.
0: And and Daniel that's Tice. largely to do with the way that Yeah. Daniel Tice, da- Daniel good this series. Daniel okay. Tice,
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll take it. He was a plus well, eleven in like seven minutes, really well yeah. too. Like he, the last
0: couple of games, he's just show, yeah. he's like figured out a way mm-hmm. to to not be a deficit out there. And he was he struggled to begin. Oh yeah, but you know some of it might just be like getting the minutes and the reps too. You know what I mean? Because because when Rob's healthy, like he barely sniffs the court. Right, and there's something to that, right? Especially for a team that vibes so much off the the chemistry and, and all of that. So, mm-hmm. um, it was nice. It has been nice to see Tice come back to life a little bit.
1: <laughs> yeah, Tice is real quick nice. on Tice. This is this is why we got him. Rob Williams is hurt or not playing that well. We need to find eight to ten minutes that Al Horford can rest. Can you imagine if those eight to ten minutes were Enos Cantor? We would have lost. Yeah, we would have lost that that's why it hurts <laughs> right, yeah. so yeah. like tice did his job <laughs> yeah right yeah. exactly we can we've seen it it's fucking horrible <laughs> right
2: with nope. all the with all really the joy
1: no. that's that the, that's the mic drop
2: yeah <laughs> absolutely like with all the joy that this win has brought me the mere mention of enos cantor enos freedom has uh, just completely <laughs> brought sorry. me down a
1: shiver up your spine. i apologize uh, That's uh, on we, we've me.
2: got to get to another reddit comment here this time by husky falcon reddit power user we really beat the Hell two yeah. best players in the world in back-to-back series. This is my favorite Celtics team of my lifetime in brackets as a young Celtics fan. And I was going to keep reading, sure. but that's a comment from someone else. <laughs> no, that's my um, message. Yeah, <laughs> yeah confusing. <laughs> Thanks, Slack. Um, so uh, you know, okay, let's talk about a lifetime. So we both, we've all been alive since like the mid to late '80s. Um, we've witnessed the 2018. Maybe there's some recency bias that needs to be factored in here, but Jay, like, where does this rank in your lifetime favorite Celtics team? Because, like, the vibes are high. There's some homegrown talent here. It's difficult to put them anything but one or, I guess, two. Right? Like, it's they're they're up there.
0: So I don't know that it's a fair question for for me to be able to answer because I can't <laughs> separate. Well, because I can't All separate. Of them. That's Jay's
1: answer. <laughs> no, no, that's <laughs> yeah. not
0: it. No, no, no. <laughs> I can't separate everything outside of the Celtics season that's gone on in my life over this past year. Yeah, I feel Um you. from what's going on with the Celtics season. Um so this this season essentially started like the day after we lost against the Nets last year, right? And it's just a handful of days later we get the news that Danny Ainge is resigning and stepping down and everything that we had kind of come to expect at the very least, which is competitiveness to some degree, essentially like taken completely out from under us in that sudden moment of like, what? And so from that point forward, that's, that's when I got tapped in Ben with, with you and, and Joe and Jackson and, and getting in, you know involved in the pod here and being a part of this team and spoons coming on shortly thereafter. And then like, Riding this wave with this team this year with with y'all as part of like this crew, uh, yeah. There's not there's not anything about that 2008 se- as great as it was to watch that team win. There there ain't nothing that even comes close to how awesome this season has been. Nothing even comes anywhere close.
1: I agree with I totally agree with you on a personal level, Jay. Like this has been so fun being on the pod and the fact that the this, this team has. Basically went from like, wow, we might not make the playoffs to we're probably the favorites to win the title right now. Although yeah. I hate saying things like that, I'm it's actively true. knocking on wood right now. <laughs> um, and being on the pod, it's just been so fun making content and, and engaging with uh, with people's been awesome. I will say, oh way up there for me. The big difference with this team is I was a Brown guy from the day we I defended Jalen Brown when he drafted him. I've been. You know, I'm a huge Tatum dude. I've been defending him even in his darkest days. Uh, Shout out, Tatum, Bird, like... the hater. <laughs> <laughs> the These are our Marcus. Smart, is there a more Celtic like Marcus Smart is in the Pierce mold of like he has been a Celtic his entire career. I want nothing more than to see that guy win a title with us. Yeah. Smart. The Jays, even Horford is like kind of in the KG. I've absolutely fucking loved KG. And I feel the same way about Al, even though he's not, you know, a career Celtic. Um, There's just something about it being a team built from like your guys that you watched grew up from day one that I would say at least puts it up there with 08 for me. And if they win the title, it will eclipse 2008 like pretty not easily, but it will eclipse 2008 for sure for me. And and just to like
0: put this into the space, right? Like hot take alert, but are the Celtics not right now expressing everything that the the Thunder kind of bungled? Yeah. Totally. With with all the, the homegrown elite level talent that they brought into their into their organization. Um, you know, you've really got the same roles right there, only you switch Ibaka with smart, right? But two defensive player of the year guys. That anchor to elite wing players. And it's 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 kind of interesting to look at that that parallel. And you know, this could be, you know, maybe, maybe,
1: maybe if we believe, we could be getting it right. Yeah. And that that team. I'm not going to. That oh eight team mm-hmm. had like really likable role players at like Eddie House, James Posey. Those guys were just kind of, like, fun to watch and great teammates, and, you know, we've got a ton of, like, I love Daniel Tice. He just, like, everyone seems to love him. I love when he comes in and gets a dunk, and he's kind of awkward, and Pritchard, obviously, (laughs) is the absolute man, and Grant, he's another one of our guys, another dude we drafted. He's the friend everyone thinks is annoying, but, you know, if someone else makes fun of him, you'll, like, go to war for him, so... It's got that kind of lovable cast of characters that the 08 team did too.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. I I don't know if I'd say this is my favorite Celtics team of all time, but it's it's the most invested I've ever been. And so much of that is like you guys said, the fact that these guys came from, you know, being drafted by Danny Ainge and we've seen them grow and like become a core together with with the exception of Al Horford who in a way the fact that he had that initial tenure and has come back He almost feels as homegrown as the rest of the guys, like given his unique kind of tenure with the Celtics. Um, But yeah, because of the podcast and because of how, like this has been the biggest year for the podcast by far. And so much of that is because of you guys coming on board and just adding more firepower to what we're now capable of doing and the investment. That's polite, but that's that's directed towards you, Spoons. I don't think (laughs) so. (laughs) No, absolutely. It's it's (laughs) completely directed towards both of you. I I cannot emphasize that enough, but- uh, just the, the investment in the team that comes with that um, and the interaction with people who listen to this and the obsession, you know, we want to make good content, therefore we're obsessed with the team, therefore our ears are completely to the ground, we're watching everything. Yeah, I was saying to my wife today, she left for work at 7 a.m., beginning of the third quarter here. And she was just like, "I hope that we <laughs> In win Celtics time." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she was just like, uh, "Like so much for like our marriage and like our life together. I hope the Celtics <laughs> win so that like you're you continue to be like a, a, a happy person." <laughs> um, that level of investment, you know. So like, I'm so glad we won. I'm so glad the season is continuing. And, uh, you know, tomorrow we've got Lee Ellis from the Athletics No Dunks podcast coming on our 200th episode, which thankfully now is an Eastern Conference Finals preview podcast um, that I can't wait to get into as opposed to an off-season podcast. But we've got a few more things to touch on here before we uh, wrap this one up. And one of those things is a Reddit post from four days ago by user Emei Stop Playing Dennis. Uh, <laughs> the title of the <laughs> post is that's which the fair. type of... yeah." Absolutely. Yeah. That part of this post aged well. Uh, the rest of it, maybe right. that's the type of choke job that hangs over your franchise for years. And they go on to say, this is after game five, if you're not catching on, they go on to say, we fucking blew it. This is one of Boston's best chances ever at a ring. And they blew it in two minutes. And don't even try to come up with some, quote, it's only one game, end quote, bullshit. Game 5 is so huge in terms of momentum in the playoffs. Over 80% of Game 5 winners go on to win the series. If Boston loses this series, it's likely they will. If Boston loses this series, it's likely they will. This Game 5 loss is going to be hanging over their heads. Spoonie, you you put this in our Slack, so I'll throw to you. Like, (laughs) I mean, it's great. We can read this now in the position that we're in and sort of celebrate it. But what are your thoughts on this post?
1: Okay, so I I wanted to talk about this, and not because I wanted to, like, dance on this guy's grave. Not at all. <laughs> I... I Well, a little bit, okay, yeah. maybe. But uh, <laughs> okay. why I wanted to talk about it is, like, this is why you don't just give up and kill the team and be a doomer, basically. Like, maybe they lose a series, but quitting basically admitting defeat after game five when this team has showed you over and over again they know how to respond Marcus Smart said he didn't sleep that night because he went back into the gym to practice like that is not the type of team you quit on 2019 Kyrie Irving Celtics after game three if you were like you know what fuck it this team's probably done sure (laughs) I get it but this team has bought and earned our respect and our belief it could be 3-0 next series i will still be thinking this is the one team that could do it and come back um so that's why i wanted to talk about it is like i get feeling that frustrated you make a post like that but man this team has done so much this season they were three games under 500 in january uh and we've been playing better like you just you know there's no point giving into those base instincts to just be so goddamn depressed about it when there's that the team gives you hope. You know, we played better that game, and they showed it on the court. And that's why we play the games. That's why they didn't just say, oh, the Bucks win after Game Five, right? They had to mm-hmm. beat us two one more time, and they didn't.
2: Yeah, There was a, a quote from Udoka in his like the the post game quotes are starting to come out now. He said, "Our proof is in our record in the second half of the season. We are not a fluke." Uh, which is great. I love Udoka. I love it. Like, damn. I, I, if if we lost this series, I, I was so, ready to start talking about like the things we can be thankful for, and Udoka was was the top of that list. But anyway, well, let's not go down that pathway. Uh, Jay, what are your what are your thoughts on this overall?
0: To well, really, there spoons. I mean, that's why you're the writer, man. Like, I I don't I don't know that you can put it much better than than it just got put right. So, I just want to echo all of that. One of the things. Though, and this goes to kind of your point that you were just making, Ben, with the coaching dynamic that Ime brings, because I don't think there's any any greater cause for optimism for what this team can accomplish both this season and for all the seasons to come, than than Ime Udoka being the the head coach here. There was a a series, well, rather the the playing game, where it was Cleveland versus the Nets, and I had made a remark about. How the 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 Cleveland's coach there? Um. Oh goodness! Now I'm gonna forget his name. I can picture um, him.
2: Cleveland's right. coach. Baker staff. So anyway,
0: yeah, Bickerstaff. Baker yes, Bickerstaff. Yes, yeah. And he had made a remark to his guys, essentially. You know, he had he had the words. You know, quit and lose in mm-hmm. the sentence, and it wasn't like telling them that they were going to necessarily, but you just can't have that in your mind or or in your sort of vocabulary when you're in those moments and I think Imei's really done a phenomenal job of kind of proving Mm -hmm. proving that point in this team is always going to reflect you know the the type of mentality that's being coached into it and that's one of the more understated ways that coaches impact team dynamics and Imei is just master class he is I there's a lot of coaches that have obviously, you know, accomplished more. They've been at it longer, but I'm going to tell you right now by the time this man is done, there's not going to be too many people that get held in a higher regard than email
2: Yudoka. For sure. Yeah. Now, look, we, Hell we yeah. are. We Hell are yeah. Of, <laughs> yeah. That, that's, uh, bears repeating. It's <laughs> it's worth celebrating. Yudoka's <laughs> been fantastic. I, I, uh, you know, when this whole thing happened at the beginning of the season with Brad Stevens was promoted and then there was the coaching search and then the hire of Yudoka. Jay, like we've talked about it, that was the first podcast that you and I did. We just thought no one could. There was no way anyone could be better than Brad Stevens. And a little bit like what Brad Stevens was to that undermanned Isaiah Thomas era team, Udoka is to this star laden team. If that makes sense, like he is as impactful Mm -hmm, on a different tier of player. Uh, And that's just an incredible find by by Brad Stevens and team, and incredible execution by Udoka and his staff. Hopefully we can echo this when we win the title or the conference finals. Uh, So we might leave it there for now, but um, really, really exciting stuff. Obviously we're, we're stoked before we wrap this up. We should talk about Jalen Brown, you know, Marcus Smart. There was a a pretty critical juncture within the game where Tatum got his fourth foul. I believe it was an offensive foul questionable, you know, call. Very. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, thankfully we're not talking about the refs because we won the game Tatum goes to the bench for a long stretch in the third quarter (laughs) where um, it was kind of like, you know, and I was saying in our Slack, this is a potentially game swinging moment. This is our best player. He's been playing the perfect game thus far. He goes to the bench and like we survived the shit out of those minutes. And I feel like a lot of that was due to Jalen Brown um, spoons. Like talk us through that. Talk us through Jalen Brown and just the survival within that point of the game.
1: Yeah, I think uh, Tatum sat for nine minutes in that third quarter, and you were spot on, Ben. It was game-swinging, just not in exactly the way we thought. (laughs) I thought it was was (laughs) game-swinging the other direction. Uh, Jalen, he struggles as kind of a primary creator, uh, but I thought Yudoka did a really good job having Smart and White on the floor to kind of support him in that role. He hit some absolutely massive shots. He had a couple takes to the rim where... We really weren't getting a ton going to the rim at that point either. And that's just so important to put pressure on the rim against Milwaukee and then open them up a little bit, diversify your attack. So uh, a really nice thing about having two incredibly good big wings is that when you don't have one on the floor, you still get to have the other one on the floor. And then when smart and white are out there, we don't lose a step on defense at all and the defense was absolutely locked down, even though Tatum, you know, we've all been saying it. He's been an elite defender uh, for most of this season, so we can miss him on that end sometimes too. Uh, and it it was like, it didn't feel super fluky either to me. It's not like, you know, other than the Derek White three maybe, but uh, they were moving the ball really nicely. I think Horford had that really nice dish down low to Grant for a dunk um, during that sequence too. And they just kept the ball moving. They, you know, grinded to a halt a little bit at the beginning, right when Tatum first went out. And then they got back to doing what they were doing, and that's move the ball quick, find the open guy, pass, shoot, or dribble within a second. So uh, it was just a huge stretch, and I, I firmly believe it won us the game.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm looking at some of the numbers for that third quarter, too. And so... um. Tatum, obviously not a big factor, only three points in the third quarter, but you had Grant Williams step up and he got 11 points. You had Jalen Brown step up. He got nine points, uh, yeah. three from smart, three from white. Uh, and then Horford got one of his, you know, one of his three buckets in that quarter as well. So like the whole team just kind of seemed to step up, you know, and, and that's, that's just reflective of what it is that you're wanting. Right. and, and, and it's kind of echoing a lot of what what spoons is is, is pointing out here where Mm -hmm. you know we had our star player that had to step off and you needed those supporting guys around him to step up and make sure Mm -hmm. that we didn't lose our footing in those moments and that's what the bucks ultimately weren't able to do especially with the absence of Middleton there is when Giannis wasn't able to be you know that guy in those moments he didn't have the guys to come fill those gaps and that's why great teams beat great players
2: all the time Truly amazing that maybe the turning point for the entire game was the Jason Tatum less minutes in the in the third quarter. And I think that bodes really well going into a series against the Miami Heat. A different beast, really, really good coaching. You know, the, the I'm going to say this again: the energy for that opponent shifts in a different direction. Where it's really good coaching, really good sort of basketball acumen, really good um, execution, yeah. but like missing that sort of star. Superstar caliber player, so a different kind of challenge, but an equal if not greater challenge. And uh, we're going to talk all about it on our 200th episode with Lee Ellis, like I said, of the Athletics No Dunks podcast tomorrow. Uh, and we'll probably reach back a little bit and talk about game seven as well, because why not relish in in this moment? That's <laughs> going to do it for this one. Thank you so much for joining us. We will be back tomorrow, like I said. Spoons, Jay, this was so much fun. Love your work, guys. Thanks again. Later, fellas. All right, until next time, go Celtics. Peace.